Welcome to Outbless Weekly, the four-day-a-week Bible study led by Michael Metcalf. Join us live or listen to Outbless Weekly podcast later at outbless.com. Listen as Michael teaches the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, in an easy-to-understand format as he is led by the Holy Spirit and brings the Word to life. Listeners learn how God outblessed us all by sending Jesus Christ to die on a cross to pay for our sins and how God raised him from the dead three days later. Jesus is the risen Lord and Savior and is actively working in every believer's life to outbless them today. Come and listen to the heart of a servant and be outblessed again. All right, well, Father God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace and I thank you especially for your patience. Lord, uh, boy, I know you had to really be patient with me for sure. And I'm so thankful, God, that you are patient, that you were patient, and that you didn't just give up on me. And Lord, uh, you led me down the right path and you gave me opportunity after opportunity. And when I started deciding really to follow you with everything that I possibly could, Lord, you have so outblessed me in every way. I could never thank you enough. And I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my life. I thank you for my kids. I thank you for my grandkids, Lord. And I thank you for Brother Daniel. And I thank you for Brother Ken. And I thank you, thank you, thank you, God, that I get to come and and study your word every day with as many who want to listen. And your word says that when two or more are gathered together, that you're in our midst. So Lord, we welcome you literally right now on this call. And we pray, Father, that you would touch every one of our hearts, Lord. We pray that your word, as we read it out loud, that it's not going to come back void, which means that it'll do a work in my heart and in everybody else's heart that's listening today. And Father, every time we speak it, I pray that it continues to do that. I pray, Lord, that you would keep shaping us, correct us when necessary, Keep leading us and guiding us, Lord, along the path in which you want us to go. And help us, God, not to turn to the left or to the right because we so easily do that. So, Lord, help us to know what your will is. Help us to know the truth. And help us, God, to make good decisions, Father. And we'll just keep giving you all the honor and the glory and the praise and thanking you for every blessing, Lord. Because we know, God, that every good thing that we have in our lives is a gift from you. And we know, God, that none of us earned it. None of us deserve it. It's just your love and your grace and your mercy. And so we're just amazed by you. We're amazed by your love. We're amazed by your patience. And we're so grateful for your word, God. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you do the work now, Lord, as we study your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be the teacher and not me. And I thank you that you will. And I thank you, God, that when we're done with our study today, that we will feel strengthened and encouraged and closer to you than we did before. And Father, you'll give us the strength to stay on that straight and narrow path that leads to heaven. And Father, help us to tell everybody else about you and the things that we learn so that we might bring some others along too, Father. And so we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, my friends. Well, we are at Philippians chapter 3, and it's going to be a very short study today because it's not a lot of verses. And so it's only uh, two pages and 17 verses, so we're going to still end on time. But just because it's short doesn't mean it's not important or impactful. And so I pray that it, it will make an impact, that you will see how important it is. 
The message of Philippians chapter 3 is titled, The Goal of Life. Isn't that interesting? What is the goal of life? And so chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, we read, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. And so this might sound very simplistic to you, but what is the goal of life? I'm going to tell you what it is. It's in four words here. It says, rejoice in the Lord. That's the goal of life. If you can arrive at the place of knowledge of what Jesus did for you on the cross, then you're rejoicing, right? Because you realize that you've been forgiven, that you're going to heaven, that it's all about what Jesus did, not what you did. It's all about his track record, not yours. And so you learn about grace. That's really the whole theme of the Bible from the beginning all the way to the end. It's about Jesus Christ, or, or as I like to say sometimes, it's about history, which is made up of two words, his and story. That's what the Bible's about. It's about Jesus. It's his story. It's about God that so loved the world that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross to pay for our sin, but he rose again three days later in victory over that so that whosoever would put their faith in Jesus Christ could get born again, could get forgiven for their sins, and know that they know that they know that they're going to heaven. And so that's really the the two bookends of the entire Bible is you gain that understanding. So what would the right response be? It would be to rejoice in the Lord. Amen? Amen. That's it. We're rejoicing in the Lord today. We're thanking God for what he did for every one of us. And so now our brother Paul is going to write the same things again to remind us because sometimes we forget. And you know what? We make other things more important. And he says it's going to be a safeguard for you. A safeguard means it's going to protect you from harm. It's going to safeguard you from something that might otherwise distract you. And so if we want to be safeguarded, then we need to remember what is the goal of life. It's to rejoice in the Lord. And to remember that we're going to heaven because of what God did. And everything else now is a frame, right? That should frame everything else. Everything that you focus on for the rest of your life should be should have that frame around it. So that that's how you make decisions. Because you know you're going to heaven. You know God loves you. You know God forgives you. And every time you ask him to forgive you, he'll do it again, fresh and new. And so we're living in, in a mind state where we're on our way to heaven and it's because of God's grace and mercy that we are. And so that's how I should make decisions. That should be the guiding light. That should be the guiding sort of guidelines, if you would, in the way in which I live and decide. And the same is a, should apply to you. And so now beginning in verse two, he said, beware of the dogs and beware of evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law found blameless. Wow, that's quite a paragraph 
First, he said, beware of dogs. Well, if you think about a dog for a minute, what do dogs do? They walk around and they smell with their nose. And based on what they smell with their nose, they typically react, right? Oh, they smell food. They want to eat it. Or they see a squirrel. They want to chase it. In other words, they react to the flesh. They react to their senses. That's what dogs do. And some humans are like that. They're just going around trying to please their flesh and they're likely to go do that without any regard to what God has done or God is doing or who God is. Well, he also warns us of the evil workers. That would be anyone who perverts the truth of the gospel or tries to tempt you to turn off that path that leads, that narrow path that leads into heaven by following Jesus and by reading the word of God and and trying to conform your life into what it says. Anybody who tries to distract you with anything else or gets you off that path or lies to you about the way to get to heaven, those are evil workers. They're trying to get you not to go into heaven. And so he said he doesn't have any confidence in the flesh. Now that's really interesting because he went on this whole diatribe to tell us that you know, he might have confidence in the flesh because he was a Jew. He was circumcised the eighth day. That was according to the law. He was a member of the nation of Israel. And not only that, he was in the tribe of Benjamin, which was the right tribe to be part of. And he was a Hebrew of Hebrews and he was a Pharisee, which means he was a doctor of the law. That means he studied it intensely and he knew it. And then he said, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, we remember Paul's name used to be Saul. And when he thought that the people that were that were called Christians back then were against what, what he knew in the law, he was persecuting them by going to the government and getting papers from the government and then and then trying to put them in jail and persecute them, prosecute them. And so he had a lot of zeal, but his zeal was not according to knowledge. It was not according to the gospel of grace which he had to learn later, which he finally did. But he also said, uh, which is in as far as the righteousness, which is in the law, found blameless. That's quite a claim. He's saying, I followed all the rules. I didn't break the rules. And so he seems to be implying that if anybody could have some level of confidence in their flesh, being born into the right tribe at the right time and having followed all the rules and regulations, he would. But notice what happens now in verse 7. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death in order that I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. Wow, if Paul didn't just nail everything that is important in that paragraph, I've never read one that did a better job. And so whatever things were gained to him, the fact that he was born as a Jew, the fact that he was born into the right tribe, the fact that he became a Pharisee, 
You know, all these these qualifications that someone had to have in the flesh to be considered one of God's kids, he had all of that. But he counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. In other words, none of that matters to him anymore at all. It had no value. And more than that, he said, I count all things to be lost. So not just being a Jew and having all those criteria, but anything else he counted as lost too. And he said it was because it was in view of the surpassing value. Notice that, the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And so there's nothing more valuable, right? There's nothing more valuable than knowing Christ as your Lord. For whom he said, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I might gain Christ and be found in him. And so that means to be found with him, walking with him, talking with him, fellowshipping with him, not having a righteousness of his own that was derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. And so Paul is nailing it really well here, telling us that the most important thing is that you're going to get into heaven through faith in Christ alone and not try to earn your way because it's never going to work the other way. And when you put your faith in Christ to get in, the righteousness comes from God on the basis of faith. And that's why we learn that you've been saved by grace and not of works, lest any of us should boast. And so I can't boast. I can't say that I deserve it. You can't say that you deserve it. The truth is none of us deserve it. The truth is we're all sinners and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But by putting your faith in Christ, that doesn't matter anymore. Praise God. Thank you, Lord that you saved us from ourselves and from the sin that we've all committed, every one of us, Lord. And none of us are better than the other. We all fall short. Sin is sin. And so we're just grateful, God, that you sent Jesus to the cross. And Lord Jesus, we're grateful that you were obedient unto death and that you died on that cross to pay for our sin so that we could be forgiven. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for blessing us in spite of ourselves, Lord. And Paul says that he did that so that he might know him and the power of his resurrection. If you're going to know him and the power of his resurrection, it's because you get resurrected. It's because he gives you a new life. That's how you're going to know it. And the fellowship of his sufferings. We have fellowship with God because Christ suffered. And so too, you may suffer some to some degree when you're a Christian and you profess faith. The world's not going to like that. The world's not always going to treat you very nicely. When you start making decisions to do things God's way, there may be some price you're going to have to pay for that. It may be uncomfortable sometimes. Well, Jesus was uncomfortable. He was in pain and suffering all the way until he died. He conformed all the way until he died. And so Paul's saying that no matter what he has to go through, he's going to go through it. And here's why. Verse 11, he said, in order that I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. That's the goal right there that Paul is now dedicating his life to do is that he wants to attain to the resurrection from the dead. And that should be our highest and most important goal too. To be born again to be forgiven for our sin, and to know that when we die, we're going to go up to heaven and be with the Lord forever and ever. That has to be the primary motivation in my life, and that should be the primary motivation in yours. 
And so let's be like Paul and count everything else loss. Nothing else could be compared. We know that there's this surpassing value of knowing Christ as your Lord. And so whatever you have to lose, whatever loss you have to suffer for that, it's it's worth it. There's nothing better than being saved by God. And again, that all happens because of what Jesus did, not because of what you did or didn't do. Not because of what I did or didn't do. And so now he's going to give us some advice about how to, how to walk right now in this life that we're in right now, in the present challenges that we're in right now. He said in verse 12, he said, not that I have already obtained it or I've already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies behind, ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Wow, I could preach a whole hour just on those few verses. Don't worry, I'm not going to. But man, he says he hasn't obtained it yet. He's not there yet. Paul realizes that he's still imperfect. He's still sinning. He's still imperfect. He hasn't become perfect yet, but he's going to press on so that I may lay hold of that. That means he's going to keep trying his best to follow Christ the best way he knows how. So that he could lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ. In other words, the purpose of Christ coming here was to save us. And so Paul wants to make sure that he gets that reward. After all, that's why Christ died. And so he doesn't regard himself as having laid hold of it yet, but he says that he's going to forget what lies behind. That means he's going to forget whatever happened in the past. That's not important. It's not important, so don't focus on what happened in your past. He said, reach forward to what lies ahead. You need to be reaching forward. That means actively engaged in forward momentum, heading toward heaven. You need to keep reaching for that. That's the direction that you need to make sure your life is going in. And so this is what he says, how he does it in verse 14. He said, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Wow. And so are you pressing on towards the goal? The goal of salvation, the goal of heaven for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ? There's a prize. That means there's a reward. That means there's a big reward. There's a big prize. And it's because of the upward call of God that was in Christ Jesus. So because of Jesus Christ dying on that cross, by faith in Christ, as long as you keep doing your best to follow that call, you're going to get that prize and you're going to go up. That means you're going to heaven. And so let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, that you're perfect because You've been made perfect by faith in Christ, washed in the blood. Not because you earned it, not because you deserved it, but because you were washed in the blood. And so as many of you have been washed in the blood because of your faith in Christ, he said, have this attitude. What attitude? Where you forget whatever you've done in the past and you're moving forward now to your future where you're following Christ. And that upward call that Jesus is calling you to is the most important thing in your life. 
And, and if in anything you have a different attitude, he said, God will reveal also that to you. And so if you're not moving forward to that upward call toward God, God will reveal it to you. You're going the wrong direction. You're chasing after the wrong thing. And so, however, he said, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have obtained. And so there was a standard way that a godly man or a godly woman was to live. And part of that was that you were to say no to sin. So when you became aware that you're involved in some sin, you need to stop it. You need to repent. That means to do a U-turn. It means you stop doing whatever that is and you turn the other way and you turn towards God and you do it to the very best of your ability. Well, it's like the story I got. I told you guys at the beginning of this study. That's what I did. And when I turned from my sin, man, I ended up meeting the most amazing woman that I ended up marrying. And I've got a super blessed wife, a super blessed life because of it. And so I could just tell you that when you turn from your sin and you turn towards God, it always works out to be the very best plan for your life. Always, every time. Because God's ways are higher than our ways and he knows what's best for us. In fact, his plan is always better than the plans that you would make for yourself. And so verse 17, brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern that you have in us. For many walk of whom I have often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction and whose God is their appetite and whose glory is their shame who set their minds on earthly things. There are men and their women whose minds are set on earthly things. It's about the pride of life. It's about the lust of the eyes. That means materialism or the lust of the flesh. And, and so those are the three big ones. The pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh are the things that people are chasing after in this earth. And so their glory is their shame. It's going to be shameful. And they're focusing on the wrong things and they're on this wide road that God says leads to destruction. But listen to verse 20 and 21 and we'll close now. He said, for our citizenship is in heaven from which also we eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has, even to subject all things to himself. And so our citizenship is not here down on earth. My friends, you're a citizen of heaven. Citizens have rights. Citizenship implies rights. You belong in heaven and you have rights in heaven because of what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. That's your home. That's what you need to remember. That's what you need to be living your life to go toward. And so he said, for which or from which we, we eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're sitting here down here, pining our time, waiting for the Lord to say, come up here or for our time to end here on this earth where we die because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we can't wait. So we're eagerly waiting. We're waiting to meet the Lord Jesus. And here's what he's going to do. It says, who will transform the body of our humble state. That means the flesh, by the way. 
into conformity with the body of his glory. In other words, you're going to be just like him, the risen Lord and Savior who rose from the dead. Your body is going to get transformed and you're going to be like him. And it's going to be by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. It's the power of God that will make this occur. And it's going to change your mortal body into an eternal one that's going to live forever and ever and ever in perfect fellowship with the Lord. And man, the blessings that God has prepared for you up yonder in heaven, they're so amazing. You can't even really do a good job of describing it. And so my friends, God loves you dearly. God has a wonderful plan for you. And he's making sure that you've got a place. Jesus said that he was going to go up yonder to heaven to, to prepare a place for you. And he said, if I go and prepare a place for you, he said, I'm going to come back and I'm going to receive you to where I am. That means he's going to come back for you and he's going to take you back up there and you're going to get to see what he's been making for you for the last 2,000 years. Awesome. What an awesome, loving God we have. Father, I thank you for the truth and the power of the third chapter of the book of Philippians. And I thank you, God, how you have taught us and encouraged us today on what's important and how we should live our lives and what is the goal of life. And so, Lord, we know that the goal is to rejoice in the Lord, rejoicing in what you did on that cross, rejoicing, God, that we are forgiven, rejoicing, God, that you are preparing a place in heaven for us, rejoicing, God, that we are citizens already, we have citizenship in heaven. We own real estate in heaven. We're on our way to heaven because of what you did and because of your great love and not because we earned it or we deserved it. And so the only thing, God, that we could boast about today is your favor. It's your love. It's your grace. It's your mercy. It's your favor. It's unearned, undeserved favor because of your love towards your children. And so we say thank you, God. Thank you for making us your children Thank you, God, for adopting us into your family. And thank you for the extraordinary love, God, that you showed when you sent Jesus Christ, your one and only son, to come down from heaven and die on that cross, a brutal and painful death to pay for our sins and to make a way, God, for us to get right with you so that we could be reconciled back to you and to be with you forever and ever and ever in heaven. And so thank you for hearing my prayer and thank you, God, that you bless everyone that heard this message now. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Wow, that was a great one. Thank you for that, Michael. I really need that message today, buddy. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Outbless Weekly, the four-day-a-week Bible study by Michael Metcalf. If this study helped you, Please join us again four days a week at outblessed.com. You can listen live or listen later at your convenience. And don't forget to go outbless someone else today by sharing what you have learned. May the Lord richly bless you as you continue to study and seek His face.